Want the reward? Do the damn work. Challenge yourself. Inspire change. Choice, not luck. Hey everybody, Todd Crandall from Ignite Euphoria Podcast, and I have an awesome dude on here today who's going to entertain us like nobody's ever done before. This is Sean Avery joining us. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Good, man. That's a lot of pressure. I'll see if I can step up to the plate. <laughs> no, dude, seriously, I really appreciate you doing this, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you again. I've talked to you a few times, you know? Yep. Um, can you see your book behind me? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't have my, uh, I don't have my desk fully set up yet, but I, I, I'll, I'll make sure yours is back up there at some point. <laughs> okay. Um, I was, I was listening, I do it. I listen to your podcast all the time. And I, I was telling Cheryl that I was, I sit there at, you know, four or five in the morning and I'm getting my pig up and I'm just listening to you laughing my ass off while I'm, I'm playing <laughs> with my pig. And the other day when you were talking about sending your books out and you're like, I'll get you your book out. Just relax. You know, I'm like, yeah. I, I understand that, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, like I think one of the things with social media that's dangerous is I like to interact with people when they send me comments, right? There's only so many that I can, can get to, um, but when you open that can of worms up, I think, and, and rightly so, people want, you know, they want to they they talk. They have things to say. So it's tough to kind of answer and get into all of them. And stuff. Some things fall through the cracks. But I, I think it's a much better way to operate than, like, you know, people that have social media who don't interact with, with the people that are following them. I, I mean, that's the whole point of it. Right. So, okay, I got it. I have a list of things I want to talk to you about, but you mentioning that right there, I want, I do want to ask you this and we are definitely going to talk about some hockey stuff. Um, how do you handle the volume of people that must contact you? A on the, I mean, there's some good people that, well, everybody's a decent person, I think, but you get a lot of fans that appreciate everything you do. Yeah. That's one thing, but how do you handle the abuse I, that's one thing I've wondered about you. Just how do you handle all the shit that people say? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of always been sort of fuel that I use. Um, the, the, the negativity, like it's funny, it's sometimes people have resorted because they can see like my patterns. Like I, I sometimes I'll, I'll respond to the person that's trying to take a shot at me versus somebody who's trying to just, you know, genu genuinely like say hello. Um, I, I think it's fuel for me. I don't know when it started. It started, I think at a young age, but like it's never been a deterrent. If, if I think that it, <clears throat> if I'm not upsetting people or people aren't, um, you know, if there's not friction between some of the things that I say that I'm probably not being myself. So right. I think that that just comes with the territory. I've always like accepted that fact. And, you know, I think there's some people that really take that stuff to heart. And then I think there's some people that, you know, like myself, use it as fuel. I mean, one thing I do know is that if anyone takes the time on social media to, to, to attack somebody, 
they're probably the root of the the attack is probably the fact that there's some sort of jealousy or that they're upset with themselves generally yep like that's really what it comes down to because i've never personally i've never gone on social media and sent somebody a message that i didn't know attacking them unless it was provoked right right so i i guess in a certain way i have some sort of empathy for those types of people, but I also like to call them on their shit. Right. I dig that. So I, yeah. I want to ask you this too, and it kind of translates into some hockey stuff as well. You talked about, you know, that fuel, you know, obviously making it to the NHL and the awesome career you've had and everything. Were you aware of that inner drive? I mean, when I was reading your book, you're talking about when you're a kid, you're playing, but where did it, where did it transfer or kick into like, this is what I'm doing and I'm using everything for fuel to get me there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. Like I, I kind of tease my parents sometimes and, and the fact that, you know, by the time I was 15 or 16, I was so singular focused on becoming an NHL hockey player that, and my parents both are teachers. Um, school sort of became an afterthought. Like I put all of my energy into becoming a hockey player. And I, I, I think I, w- I always ask them, like, how did you let me get away with that? Where huh. school kind of became something that wasn't a priority to me. And I think that, you know, they don't really have any answer to, the question, to, to my question. I think that I know the answer. I think that there was something inside of me <clears throat> at a young age that probably around 11 or 12 where I decided that there was only one thing that I was going to do. And, you know, and I, I didn't have, and, and at that point I'd say that the deck was stacked against me in certain areas. Like I wasn't a big kid. I wasn't, um, size was a big thing at that point. Um, you know, but I, 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 I don't know. There wasn't really a moment that a light switched on. It was kind of this thing where, I believe that I could do something. And I think that, you know, my parents supported me and giving me everything that I, I, I needed to do to do that. But at the end of the day, it was all on me. And I kind of embraced that responsibility. And looking back on it, it was a very dangerous move. Like I put all my chips in one hand and uh, I was all in on something. But honestly, I think if you're all in on something and you make that decision, and you really are all in, then at some point something's going to come out of it. You know, I love it. there's, there's, there's just, you know, maybe I wouldn't have become an NHL hockey player. Maybe I would have become a coach because clearly 10 years or 12 years of all that hard work gave me some sort of skill in that line of work. Right. So I think that, uh, hard work never goes to waste. There's no, you, you can't look at it like that. Um, but yeah, I, I always kind of think about that. At what point did I make that decision? I, I don't know. You know, it's like sometimes I think I was eight years old when I made that decision. Sometimes I, I think that that decision was made for me by some sort of higher power. Um, my dad played, so I think that there's something in the DNA that, that, that you're given, you know, that's passed down, definitely. I think that had something to do with it. 
but um, you know, being a parent now and knowing what I went through, I think you can just see something in somebody's eyes, and you and you just kind of know. What you just brought up being a parent, you know, what what if Nash comes to you and says the same thing, Dad? This is what I'm going to do, and I'm not going to school, and this is it. How do you what do you do? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that the way that I would position it with him is I would challenge him to do both, you know, because I think that looking back on it now, I could have absolutely have done both. And I think if I had have done both, it would have benefited me in the long run. I think it probably would have made me a better player, but um, you know, I, I, I have that knowledge now. So if, if Nash came to me and I saw that look in his eyes, I would turn it into a challenge to him to be able to do both because I think skills are like weapons. The more weapons you have, the, the, the more ability you, you have to defend yourself. So I, I, I think that, um, you know, we'll see. I, 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 I hope that, that I'm faced with that question from him because at least I'll know that he's determined to do something, right? Absolutely. I, I think we were talking about this at one of the Racing for Recovery uh, groups that was going on. I, I wasn't running it, but one of our other staff was, and they were talking about having a plan B. And I'm, and I'm from the school of like, why do you have a plan B? You, you have right. plan A and you, right. you make it work. Right. right. If, and like you said, if you wouldn't have made it to the show, well, you could have coached or you could have done something. The, right. the educational thing is up. Yeah, I put a high emphasis on education, but I'm I'm saying more of if you want to be a pro hockey player, well, then don't go out and try and drive a dump truck for 40 hours a week. Right. Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> plan B's are <clears throat> certainly to the new generation. I feel like plan B's turn into an excuse more than anything. Um, Yep. takes away focus, you know? Agree. And also pr probably in a recovery environment, I don't know, I, I don't know much about that environment. You would know more than me, but like plan B seem, seem dangerous to me. It seems like uh, it's a temptation to do something that's not plan A. Agreed. There's plan but, A and that's it, you know? Right. What, um, so uh, I'm trying to think, do I want to stay with some hockey stuff for a while? Um, eh, I'll come back to that. Let's talk about, uh, 2020. And I want to know, like you found running in 2020 to deal with this virus stuff, right? Yeah. We've been talking about that a little bit. Not really a runner prior to that, right? No, no I mean, <clears throat> I used, uh, running as a training tool during my career. Um, it was a big part of, uh, uh a bigger puzzle where, uh, in the off season, you know, we, we would train and running. Unlike, I think a lot of guys running was actually a big core part of my training, but it wasn't something that I would consider like a, it, it wasn't built into my day-to-day -day life. When the quarantines started, um, gyms were shut down and I really had no option. So what I did was I put on my running shoes and I started running and immediately I saw things start to change. Like I felt different. My body started to change. Um, everything started to change. Like I, I, I found clarity. There was something that was starting to happen with like being able to organize my thoughts. Um, 
Yeah, it was a real game changer. So I think from since since the quarantine started to now, I think I've run like 2,500 miles and I run every single day. Um, you know, I don't take a day off. I'm not, I'm not the most effective runner when it comes to managing like a training program or managing my body because I think it's like a daily essential for me. I can't operate unless I've got my run in. Like I, I feel like that's a wasted day for me. So yeah, I, I look at the quarantine I'm actually so thankful that this happened selfishly because it changed, it literally changed my life. It changed like the direction of where I'm, I'm going in so many areas. I, I can totally relate to that. The running, I, you know, I, I've played hockey, I've lifted weights, you know, I swim and bike a little bit or whatever, but running is the thing that gives me the most mental and emotional clarity that enhances everything else that I'm fortunate yeah. enough to do for the rest of the day. It's, it's the best. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No. Yeah. There, there's a, um, you know, you hear about the runner's high and like, it's a real thing. There's no yeah. question about it. I mean, right. I, I, I feel it. And when I don't feel it, I don't feel good. And that's right. kind of my barometer on like whether something works or whether it doesn't work. hundred percent. I noticed, you know, you've been talking a lot um, about our best defense against this whole virus is just being healthy, have a strong immune system. I, I interviewed a doctor this morning about this, and he kept saying the same thing. You know, the best, you know, offense is taking care of our, our health, or our best defense is just taking care of our health. You know, um, what's your take on, like, you know, the vaccines and, and all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like uh, we're being we're being led by by the blind. I mean, everything is a contradiction, or everything has so much irony baked into it. it it's wild. We we have a uh, a disease that, for the most part, attacks people that are obese or have some sort of um, cardiovascular issue, right? Um, the fact that they've told us the way that we're going to stop it is by doing none of that, not getting outside, not getting vitamin D. I mean, it's just, it's the level of bullshit and, and, and it's just such a, it's all a lie. Like not, I, I'm not saying that the, the virus is a lie, right. but I'm saying that the way that they've told us to deal with the virus has clearly proven to be the wrong way. And whether that's a lie or whether that's just people not being educated or it's politically driven, I, I don't really know. But I do know that healthy people that have got the virus have recovered, have, right. you know, in more cases than not, had mild symptoms. Some, if you look at all the athletes that have had it, for the most part, asymptomatic. There has to be some sort of relationship between the two so the fact that they've taken away the ability for people to one decide to get healthy or continue continue being healthy through physical activity it, it makes no sense it makes absolutely zero sense i agree like, it, it's the you know it, it's not even from like a freedom standpoint just from and again i'm not a scientist but 
I don't think you have to be a scientist to understand that the healthier you are, the more active you are, the more sunshine you get, <laughs> the better prepared you are to take on this virus. What's that? You mentioned the sunshine and, and vitamin D. Uh, first question, did you, have you seen any of the stuff on how vitamin D is supposed to be helping with, um, you know, if you get the virus, vitamin D is supposed to be a, a, you know, an asset to help you recover from it quicker, which yeah. to me is a yeah. no-brainer, right? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it, it makes sense. And I think, you know, again, whether or not that's a, uh, a, a media thing that, you know, for some reason it's being glossed over or not discussed because, you know, then that promotes people being outside. I don't know. But it's just simple. It's like the healthier you are probably means the more you're outside, the more you're being active, the more you're moving around, you know, not to mention what isolating does for you from a mental standpoint and your productivity, like all these people talking about how uh, it's not all these people. I think, I think it's starting to get exposed a little bit, how people are like, yeah, I'm actually not as productive at home. Like, Maybe, maybe from a work standpoint, it's a little bit more streamlined, but I'm starting to not feel as motivated and it's starting to take a toll on me, you know? So it, and again, when's this going to end? Because a vaccine or a va- <clears throat> if, whether or not a vaccine even works, which in my opinion, I think that we're going to see that it doesn't end up being the answer. Hmm. Um, you know, like this thing's probably going to run its course. I, it doesn't seem like it's a stoppable virus, like right. the flu. I don't think the flu, you can stop the flu. We just gave up. Like, right. But we also got to the point where the flu was an optional vaccine that you can take or you can't take or you don't have to take. So, you know, it just comes back to the fact of like, if you live in, a, in an environment where there's dangers, you do things to protect yourself. You, big, you build a bigger shelter, you build a levee, or you, know, you build a tunnel. We should be doing that with our bodies. And the fact that they've taken that away from us is like, it just, it, I don't understand it. Wow. I'm with you, brother. What's, have you noticed a difference since moving from New York out to LA, you know, just being outside and more sun and everything? Have you noticed your your emotions and your mindset is better? Uh, Definitely. I mean, I I think like, you know, when I was in New York and it started to get cold in New York, um, everything takes longer, right? Takes longer. You got to warm up. Um, I I come in from a run and I've just run and it's like raining or, or snowing and it's freezing cold outside. Takes you longer to cool to, to kind of warm up. Everything takes longer. So Mm. Being in this type of environment where, you know, the, the conditions are all advantageous, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it was part of the reason why we decided to leave New York, you know, just to be able to have the access to this. So uh, I'm trying to, some of the hockey stuff, and here comes one right here. I don't want to ask you stuff that's been asked a bunch of times because I know that gets boring, but we're talking about the, the mental attitude and the, your mindset and all this stuff. What's the difference between playing in LA and playing in New York? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, playing in New York has a 
uh, a much deeper sense of like community and pride. Um, I think uh, playing in LA or sorry, so playing in New York has that playing in LA is more kind of, you know, there's like entertainment to it. I mean, playing in LA, LA Kings do have a hardcore fan base. Um, it's not the same type of fan base as, as playing in New York. So, but it's also interesting because they're two pretty, you know, the biggest markets. Um, I would always choose New York over LA if I could turn the clock back. Um, I think it just from the arena standpoint, yeah, there's nothing like playing in New York. Definitely. Yeah. We have, um, I've got a bunch of jerseys and stuff hung up in here. And the one that we have a you is it's a Rangers Jersey. I didn't, put a king's jersey or something yeah. in there i just wanted you to know that you know nice nice <laughs> so one thing that is interesting and i do i admire this about you it's like you you have this attitude of like i'm doing whatever i want to do for me it doesn't matter what other people think so i want to talk about you doing that internship or whatever it was at vogue and yeah. how just stepping out of the box, man. I mean, I can't imagine what that must have been like from peers or whatever, giving you shit or whatever. But what was that experience like and what did it do for you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one of the things I say, like, if, if you work to obtain a certain level of status, with, with that status comes opportunity. And with opportunity, you have the ability to put yourself in situations that normally you wouldn't be able to put yourself in. And I was, I've always been a firm believer of like asking questions, retaining information, like don't ever be afraid to admit that you don't know something when there's someone in the room that can teach you something. Right. So that was a situation where a couple of things, I was interested in like the uh, commerce side of, 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 you know, that world like fashion and endorsements and and you know that whole side of it i also um i feel like part of me wanted to do it to just kind of ruffle everyone's feathers i also at that point it was like where all the pretty girls were there there were so many uh decisions that were it was just a it it was something that looking back on it, if I hadn't have done it, I I would have kicked myself. Like it was a great opportunity. I learned a ton of stuff. And, you know, it's funny when I did it, it was, it was a very weird thing to do. And then 10 years later, I remember like Dwayne Wade did it and uh, all these athletes started to do it. It started to become this like extreme thing. So yeah, I, I thought it was a great experience. And again, just putting myself in a situation where I would never have the ability to do that, but I did. I took advantage of it and I learned from it. Right on. It's the, you know, I think of, it's not about waiting for opportunity to knock. It's about creating the opportunity and then answering the door yourself. Totally. Yeah. Right? Yep. What's up? I don't even, I'm sure a lot of people know this about you, but I'm sure a lot don't. What's going on with the whole acting stuff? What's, what's your latest project you're working on and how's it going? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little crazy right now because things are starting and stopping. Um, I, I have a, uh, I'm doing a, 
an FX, uh, no, sorry, an AMC series that is starting in Boston in uh, February. So I'm going to be there for a couple of weeks. Um, it's actually a comedic type show. Um, so that's in the pipeline. I got a whole table full of auditions that I have to memorize and do self tapes now. Uh, the whole business has gone definitely remote. So like the, the idea of going in and auditioning for casting directors or directors or producers, it doesn't exist anymore. Everything is done on, on tape. You tape it yourself. So they send you the audition sides. Um, you know, you have to memorize the sides and then you record yourself doing it. You send it in and, and you hope for a job, um, hmm. which, you, you know, I think that's, that's the system, right? I think for anyone, what I do is I always take it a step further. Like if there's a, like there, there is a, there's a, there's a audition right now. That's a, that's a pretty good role. Like I, I think this could be a great opportunity, right? So I've been working on it. Um, they always tell you that they need it right away, which is never true. Like, one thing I don't do, I'll never send anything in unless I feel like I've mm -hmm. taken the time and it's ready. I just won't do it, right? I just, I'll send it when it's, when I feel like it's ready to go, which, you know, is very unorthodox. Nobody really does that in a position that I'm in, which is like very early on in my career. Um, but you have to be so careful and you have to, when you're given an opportunity and you have the ability to solely control what comes out of that opportunity, you have to take every single piece of energy and put it into that opportunity. Otherwise, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't present it. Like, it, you just have to wait. It's not about, a, it's not, it's not about perfection. It's a, it's a, I don't know, you know, it's just being smart. Like, that's the way to do it. So yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of things in the hopper. I feel like, you know, uh, again, everything gets shut down in California one day and then it's open. And, but I think 2021 is going to be a good year for me and in the, in the acting space. And I feel like, I feel like my, uh, you know, the hard work's about to, to, to start really paying off. You know, it's interesting. And again, Sean, I, I love talking to you because it's, uh, the, it's your mindset that intrigues me. Um, you know, I, when I bought your book, I read the book and I'm like, well, this guy's freaking out of his gourd. I, I love it. And then I, that's when cameo really starting to hit. Yeah. So as soon as I saw that you're on cameo, I actually had this in my mind. I'm like, here's the plan. I, I bought, I read the guy's book. I'm going to talk to him on cameo then I'm going to set up a time to video him. I'm going to talk to him about Iron Man and I'm going to get him on my freaking podcast. And it's yeah, like, I mean, right. That, that's yeah. I mean, that's the thing. That's what's so interesting is like, if you're anybody, right. Who has some sort of goal that you're trying to obtain 20 years ago, obtaining these types of goals would be much more difficult. But now there's so many opportunities that if you can read between the lines, and you can take advantage of things. You have access to people. You have ways to, I mean, yeah, you, you set those intentions. You map that out. It's exactly how it's, it's played out, you know? So, right. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think like for anyone that says that there's no excuse to be able to obtain things that you want right. nowadays. You have so many resources around you. Um, you know, it, it's actually kind of like a beautiful time to be alive in that sense. Right. You know, the one thing I wasn't expecting out of this, though, listening to your podcast and everything, I bought one of those, I bought two of those Bruch toothbrushes. Oh, yeah, nice. I'm like, what the hell? Okay, Sean's getting some money to promote this thing. I love those things, dude. Great, great. They're awesome, right? Yeah. Got one here at the building. Do I got to send Kevin Hart a check or something, or what do I do? I don't know. Yeah, they must be doing well because he's like a pitch man for them now. Um, but no, you know, that that's there's always that tricky line between like art and commerce and how do you kind of balance that? Certainly yep. from you know, the podcast standpoint, because even if I wasn't getting paid to do the podcast, I would still do it. Because the reason I started the podcast, I started it as like a, a as a weapon for myself because I thought <laughs> at some point the cancel culture is going to come for me or the woke culture, or the woke police or whatever they are, or whoever they are. Um, so I need a defense mechanism and I need something long form because Instagram and Twitter doesn't give you the ability to do that. So that was really the, the whole idea with the podcast. Now that the podcast is growing and you have the ability to monetize it, which, you know, everyone should do. That's the whole point of being American. Um, <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's, a, it's, I try to have fun with it, right? And I think that I also try and sell products that I use and that I like. And if you can get behind that, then it's really not that diffi- difficult to try and influence other people to maybe take a shot at it. I don't know if anybody will ever be paying me to do what I'm doing, but I'm just thankful I can do what I'm doing right now. Um, dude, I'm already starting to laugh my ass off thinking about this, but... Did the bike rant stuff come prior to the podcast? Where the hell did that bike rant stuff come from? Yeah, I think that was, uh, I actually think that was the, that was sort of the seed of like um, creativity and like a higher power sort of pushing itself out of me saying like, you need to find an outlet to, um, you know, vent or get some things off your chest. So that was sort of, you know, I always think that these things happen to me for a reason. And like, that was the evolution of it. Um, and it became like a running bit and, you know, it became sort of, it it also helped propel me and get a bigger audience for when I did start the podcast, but no, the biking thing, everyone walks around at a certain point every single day and thinks to themselves, man, that's a real asshole move that person is doing. Whether they park their car the wrong way or they don't put their cart away at the grocery store or they litter. And I just decided to be the person that called people out on those things. Um, because, you know, I, that's what I did for a living for a long time, part of it. Uh, I'm also not, you know, physically I'm not really afraid of anyone, so there's not really any situations that um, I, I think that I'm, in danger in um but no that that was it what's funny is that it, it resonated with all types of different people uh mothers that are very religious and church-going mothers that that you know 
said, Sean, I love your videos. I just wish you wouldn't swear so much to everyone, you know, because right. they, you have that every single day where you see that. And the thing that I think we're losing in this country is we're all afraid to call out shitty behavior hmm. because you're afraid of the backlash and yeah. like, you know, heaven forbid you, you say something to somebody and they're of a different race. Well, now you're a racist. Like everything has turned upside down. Right. Um, so, but I don't play by those rules. And I think that because I don't live by those rules, I have the ability not to play by those rules. And if you ever want to come at me, you come at me knowing that anything you're going to come at me with, it's already been, I, I, I haven't hit it. Right. Like there's nothing to hide here. Right. And I think that, at a certain point, they just go, yeah, we, we need to move on, right? Because the, the ones that cower and, and, and let that define them, those are the ones that the, the, these types of people prey on. And, you know, so that's, that was kind of, yeah, it's a long-winded answer for the bike lanes, but I think it was, an, it was the start of a seed of something. Well, you know, and I, I'm... Uh... Seriously, I'm having a hard time not literally laughing my ass off about some of it because even I called my my daughter Skylar into it when I first started watching it. I'm like, I go, Skylar, you gotta you gotta watch this, and I'm I am literally laughing my ass off, and and my daughter she's laughing, but she's looking at me like like Dad, what's wrong with you? And it's not it, I they're funny, but in an all serious account, and it's one of the things that I see that it literally breaks my heart with people coming in here. People who are battling addiction that come into racing for recovery, they have no self-worth whatsoever. And when I right. see you doing these things, I just see a dude that's confident that's speaking his mind. And that's some of the stuff I try to get people in here. Say what's on your mind, man. You know, you yeah. you like this, you don't like that, you feel this, you f say it. Because it's a sign of starting to feel important about yourself and good about yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah it, also, it also, you know... It also puts you in a position sometimes where you have to back things up and to, to back things up, you have to be strong. You have to be healthy. You have to be clear headed and have a, ha have a clear mind. So like when I played, sometimes I, I, I know that for, I know for a fact that there were times where when I felt like I was getting into a rut, I did something that I wasn't supposed to do because I knew that that was going to pour fuel on me because I was going to have to back it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like self-sabotaging sort of, but for a purpose, um, which, you know, it's not the healthiest thing to do, but I think I was doing it in a controlled environment and I had a pretty good grip on what I was doing. So yeah, you, 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 you have to, that's why it's like the whole look good, feel good thing that we talk about. It's like, you got to look good. You got to feel good. You got to feel good. You got to look good. It's also related. And you have to be proud to be able to speak what's on your mind. And, and that, that's why we're here. So I was, we were talking, you were, you were mentioning like, you know, you had to mix it up for yourself to get that fuel going. And I, I know a lot of guys that have been in, in your role as, you know, I don't know if I want to call you really an enforcer or not because you were a player, but whatever. You did a lot of things out there. My question is this. When you're doing that for yourself, 
obviously it always it always carries over to your teammates and gets everybody fired up. Tell me what it was like to know that you had that, you know, I don't, power's the wrong word. Ability is a better word. What's it like knowing you had that ability to really make a difference on, on the team? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what makes a team a team. It's like all these individuals have uh, their own characteristics that they bring, right? Um, I think players that understand that and, and, and don't try and step outside the box are the ones that, you know, are effective. So it's definitely that sort of, I, I never looked at it as a burden, right? Like I don't think guys that scored goals looked at goal scoring as a burden. I looked right. at it as an opportunity. So anytime those opportunities came up, like, I just seized it. I knew that that was my moment and that I needed to step up. Like that's what, that's what you're paid for. That's what being a good team guy is. Um, that's why we play the game. So I never got afraid of those moments. Um, and I, you know, I, I always tried to take the, the, the best opportunity to execute them. Um, and I think that it's all percentage based, right? Like if, if your teammates trust that you get it done 85 to 90% of the time, then you're doing it the right way, right? Because you also have other things that are stopping you. You can't just say like, okay, yeah, it's my turn. Let me do that. You have to really fight through it. And it yeah. takes a lot of work. So, but I never looked at it as a burden. I always looked at it as an opportunity. What's the, what's the thing you miss the most about not, or about not playing anymore? Um, I don't know. I always, I always liked like the, the loneliness of being on the road and kind of like being in a hotel room and kind of having the freedom of, of being able to shut everything off, like on a game day or on a road trip, you, you can, you're allowed to shut yourself off from the outside world. Like that's encouraged, right? Yeah. So you get to just kind of disconnect. I think that's the one thing that I miss the most about it. You don't have to, you don't have to answer any phone calls. You don't have to be anywhere. It's like everyone knows, okay, there's a game today. You're off the grid. I think that's the one thing I miss the most. Yeah. In today's society, that doesn't, yeah, it doesn't happen. You right. know? Exactly. What, um, I know we've talked a little bit about your, possible desire of coming into multi-sport as they say but uh are you if, since we've talked last are you still pondering to come over with the big boys or what <laughs> yeah i gotta as soon as this thing is like done and we can i can get on a plane and meet you somewhere i i i'm i'm, I'm definitely um i'm ready to to kind of whether it's a triathlon or I don't know, but yeah, I, I, I think that's the evolution of like what I'm doing. I need to challenge myself and take the next step. It's all about stepping stones and I need to take that next step. So I, I'm, I'm ready. You're going to have to take it easy on me on, the, no, on, dude. on me though. <laughs> no, it's like, I, I can already, I already know you're going to be there. It's just a matter of when, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's what happens. You get into running and it's just, okay. And it just keeps going. I'm uh, right. I think I told you I'm going to do uh well, if it happens, but Ironman Oceanside in San Diego, I'm coming out at the end of March. Oh, well, that's right down the road. So. Right. We'll okay. hook up for that. Yeah. It'll totally. be good. Yep. Yeah, we're going to uh, – I'll have to – you're going to have to start uh, – yeah, I got to figure out what I got to start working on. So 
that's uh, yeah, we can, we can figure that out, but yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> totally. I'm in. It's good, man. It's, it's fun. Um, what else did I want to ask you about, man? Well, here's a kind of a weak question, but it's, I'm seriously interested in it. How do you take 2020? What are you using from that year and turning it into something productive for this year? Um, just total clarity. Like I, I saw, I saw my path come, come to life in, in 2020, like through a, a dark time for most of us. Like I'm excited about being able to move forward. Like anything moving forward now is gravy, right? As long as I keep doing my work and putting the work in. So I'm ready. Like I, and in the meantime, I just keep going and doing what I'm doing and doing the same thing that got me through, you know, a pretty shitty time for all of us. So I, I, I look at it as like, it's all gravy, no matter what. This reminds me of like, you know, training camp or preseason. It's like you're, you're training, you're preparing for the, for the season to get going. Yeah. It's just a question of when it's going to get going, you know? Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's exactly, that's a perfect, perfect analogy. Um, well, I've hit you up with a lot of stuff is before I let you go, is there anything you want to ask me, you know, something that's been going through your head at all? No, I mean, I think like, listen, I, I, I've started to kind of, I understand what you guys are doing over there. I think you do a special thing, you know, and I think, uh, I think that through this, listen, I remember, I remember hearing it is the, is the cure worse than the disease? There's a lot of people that are, that are struggling that aren't struggling with COVID-19 that are struggling with everything because of it. And I think, you know, yourself and your team, what you guys are doing over there and all the other facilities across the country, like that's, what's important. And, you know, we should be finding ways to give you guys more money to be able to do that and, and help people because people need help right now. So I, I just say, yeah, I, 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 I notice it. I appreciate it. I'm glad that we've, uh, we're in each other's atmospheres and we just keep going. Right. I appreciate that, man. It's like, even again, talking to you is another example to me of our, of the racing for recovery slogan. It's like with sobriety, anything is possible. Yeah. You know, back when yeah. I was, you know, living in my car, you know, smoking crack or whatever, it's like I, somebody was said, yeah, you're gonna be talking to Sean Avery in 30 years. I'd have been, yeah, you're crazy, you know, right. but, and I, I truly mean that people can literally do anything they put their mind to, man, but you yep. gotta, you gotta put some work in. It's not going to get handed to you. No, no. If you're not making yourself feel uncomfortable, then you're probably not doing something right. That's right. Yep. Well, dude, listen, I really appreciate you coming on. And anytime you want me to come on yours, I'd be honored to, bud. Uh, I think, yeah, we got we to gotta figure that out at some point. All right, buddy. Take it easy, my friend. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. Until next time, everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Ignite Euphoria. Check out more episodes on our YouTube channel. And if you or a loved one is battling substance abuse or any form of self-destruction, check out Racing for Recovery at our website, racingforrecovery.org, or call us at 419-824-8462. Remember, with sobriety, anything is possible. See you next time.